From WHQR Public Media, this is the Newsroom. Welcome. I'm Ben Shockman. Thank you for joining us. On today's show, we'll be hearing from three candidates for Wilmington City Council. I'll be interviewing candidates Paul Lawler and Angie Ulmer, and my colleague Kelly Kinoyer will interview candidate Luke Waddell. First up, my guest is Paul Lawler. Paul, thanks for being with us. And before we get into the policy questions, tell us a little bit about yourself, where you live, what you do for a living or did for a living, and any past political experience. Uh, Sure. Um, Well, Ben, I'm a native North Carolinian, uh, born in Charlotte, lived there for a long time, Raleigh. Uh, So it gives me a lot of experience with cities that are growing very, very, very fast and having rapidly changing economies. Um, Spent some time in uh, Chicago, D.C., so I've lived in a lot of places. I think that helps. Uh, I did serve a a term on city council before. I'm the one who came in five votes short, so I tell everybody I'm the poster boy for every vote counts. Um, I uh, have an accounting degree from North Carolina State University, so much of my professional career was in accounting and and related areas. But I think that brings a a certain aspect, a a certain resource to council service that uh, is beneficial. All right. Let's get into this. Um, we were just talking about this. So affordable housing, it's, I think it's safe to call it a hot topic in the entire KV region. Um, how do you feel about what's being done right now? And what would you do to address the affordable housing crisis? Affordable housing is a huge problem and is only going to get worse. Uh, I live on the north side. Fella bought a house uh, in June of 20 for 83000 He's got on the market now for 399000 He put a lot of money into it. But that's a, a huge increase, and it just points to the gentrification that's going on and how that's going to accelerate. There's a couple of programs. The city has put more money into it. Uh, Cape Fear Collective is putting some money into it. There's a lot of programs like that, Warm, Habitat, and all those. There's even a proposal for a $50 million bond that would help with something like 1,600 units. But the group that's proposing that identified a need of 11,000 units. So everything we're doing is sort of is, is not going to make the it's not going to really solve it. The thing I've been pushing is what I call a grassroots buy a house campaign. I think we need to reach out to people who live in the areas that are being gentrified, live in the uh, areas that are that are probably going to see a lot of price increase, who are renting, and suggest to them they may be able to buy the house. And there are areas where that's possible, not many, and that number is decreasing. But if we get some of the people who live there to buy a house, I think that's what would really, really change the formula because that helps with their building wealth. It helps with uh, actually getting some affordable housing out there if they buy it now. Uh, It gives a lot of stability because, you know, when you talk to educators, they tell you kids move around a lot and that's not good. So owning the home helps there. So there's just a whole bunch of of benefits. And I think there are people who historically have been told, no, you can't. Now's the time to say, yes, you can. So a related issue in the eyes of many, uh, public transportation. <clears throat> so specifically, there's a, there's a proposal on the table for a quarter cent sales tax to provide more stable funding for WAVE. Um, how do you feel about that? And, and in general, I know you have a lot of experience with this. So you know, where would you steer WAVE in the future? Well, I serve on the WAVE Transit Board. And I am the only person on there who's ridden the bus in the past. So that gives me a different perspective on some of these things. But, you know, the, the my... Real experience is redoing Route 203, sometimes called the downtown trolley. And with that, we made it so it moved faster from A to B. It covers more area. It has better signage. It's a more attractive vehicle. And 
did a little marketing with it. And before COVID, it was showing big increases in ridership. And so I think that's the model for the future. So we need to go around each route that we have and make sure the route is really a good, effective route, sort of building from a, a rider side up. And if we do that, then the quarter cent would make a whole lot of sense because that would get people off the roads. That would help with traffic. It would increase the coverage of WAVE. It would make it accessible to more people. Um, you know, there's some folks out there getting to the point where the doctor says you can't have your driver's license anymore. Uh, they need it. Uh, there are people who would, I believe, take the bus to work if it was a good quality service. So we need to get there, make it a really high-performing organization. All right. Changing gears a little bit, public safety. So the Wilmington Police Department. Uh, two related questions. How have you felt so far about the leadership of Chief Donnie Williams? And what, if anything, would you change about the police department? Um, I like uh, Chief Williams. I think he's doing a good job. He's doing a lot of things to uh, improve the relations between the department and the community. And I think that's a positive. The thing that I have suggested that's a little bit different is you know, is, is we need a, a, what I call a public safety advisory committee. The city has about 30 committees to advise on all everything under the sun. Um, you know, we have a parks committee, we have a Legion Stadium committee, we have a uh, tree committee. So we have all these committees, but we don't have one on public safety. So I think we had a place where the department had an opportunity to roll out more of its ideas and tell people what it's doing to get some input from the community in their concerns create a little more dialogue, talk about different options out there. But probably at a higher level is talk about how the police department can work with other agencies. So many of the people that the police have to deal with are actually people with mental problems or addiction problems or a host of problems. We need to be sure that the police, you know, it's a, it's a pitcher and catcher deal. The police can get those to the agencies that can deal with it and that those agencies welcome and are receptive when the police bring them there. Generally, though, we need to do something about crime. When I was on council before, I think we had 10 murders. Last year, we had maybe 20 murders. Uh, we need to um, really find ways to address that immediate problem. But with the committee, we can address some of the longer-term problems. All right. Uh, let's talk about development. How much influence or you know, constraint do you think the city should have over private development and kind of a related issue, um, how do you feel about the city's use of uh, public-private partnerships? So the, the two issues I talk about the most are jobs, because having a job is so critical for so many things. Uh, the other one I talk to is about is making the growth work for us. I mean, the area is growing, and we have to make things work. But the new land development code, which has a lot of aspects from the comprehensive plan commission recommendation, and I, I served on that commission, is trying to make the, our streetscapes more attractive, uh, make the city more walkable, preserve some trees, and do some things to make the growth as it happens better for us. I'll give you one great example. On Carolina Beach Road, the comprehensive plan calls for, you know, if you, if you ride down that road, there's just a lot of buildings could be changed. Um, but that calls for putting a lot of mixed-use buildings along that road, and that way you could accommodate a lot of people moving here. You'd put it in a place with the infrastructure, the, the streets, the utilities, and all that stuff. And you would also create 
an area that could be a very pedestrian-friendly and which would work with public transportation. So if, you, if we can do more to put those things together, I think we can accommodate a lot of growth without losing what makes the area special. And in terms of public-private projects, there is a proposal for the north side of Wilmington. This is the so-called gateway project, um, $100 million project, right as you enter the city of MLK. Uh, it's with the East-West Partners Company, which did River Place. What are your thoughts on that? I have uh, historically been skeptical of some of these. Uh, Wilmington, you know, we just talked about growth. Wilmington's growing. That means investors are coming here. People are coming here. And for a lot of these projects, I think they're better done if they're done by the private sector and not by the city unless the city has some compelling need there. But I would look at that. Generally, I would be more inclined to say East-West should put the money in, buy the property, put a good business project there. Uh, I'm just skeptical. I may have my mind changed, but generally I look at those a little bit skeptically. And then there's the other kind of development, which is, I know this is a big issue for you, so economic development, so yes. job creation. What are your thoughts on that? I know it's a huge topic, but... It, it is a, a huge topic, and since we have four hours, I think we can cover it all. Let's do it. Um, we need, to, you know, first thing we need to do is we need to recognize, I think, where our success has been. I mean, traditional North Carolina economic development, you recruit a business here, you go to New York, you knock on somebody's door, you bring them here. Our later, our success recently has been more entrepreneurial. You know, PPD was some guy who lived here and decided to put the business here. You know, Live Oak Bank, Quality Chemical, all people who are here and decided to do things. And those are the big ones. There's a whole bunch of, of mid-sized ones. Equipped uh, up the street is one that intrigues me because they do equipment rentals from Wilmington, North Carolina. And then there's a whole lot of mini entrepreneurs out there. The North Side Market uh, is full of people who are starting little teeny businesses, one-person, two-person shops to do things. So I think our opportunity is the entrepreneurial area businesses created here, and we need to nurture that. The other thing that goes with that is how we talk about this area. So much of our conversation about the area in the marketing that's done is about um, the beaches. And it's easy to see why you would talk about the beaches. But this area has such a quality of life the, with our history, our arts, our festivals, our film, our food, our theater, uh, history, oceans, uh, the river, music, sports. We need to talk more about that because we want the people who are moving here to say, this is what's great about Wilmington, and I want those things. We don't want the people to not think that we have those things and sort of ignore it. So we need to think about how we present ourselves, make sure that we nurture the entrepreneurs who are out there so we create more businesses, and then I think you have a, a stronger or more vibrant economy. All right, totally different topic, uh, stormwater. So on the day we were recording this, it rained cats and dogs, um, New Center Drive completely flooded, all up and down Market Street, side streets flooded. Uh, even you know without a hurricane, flooding is a major problem here in Wilmington. Uh, what are your thoughts on you know potential solutions to this problem? Well, the one thing that's going, particularly with the new center, there's a stormwater project that will head out to Clear Run Creek, and that will take a, a lot of that area, uh, take care of the, the water there. But moving forward, <clears throat> that was a project where they put an awful lot of asphalt down and really didn't have the capacity for it. So moving forward, we need to be sure we have the, the capacity uh, to handle it. Uh, I, the new land development code reduces the size of parking lots, and that will help uh, in some cases. 
more solutions. Uh, there's a the um, um, little area up on 16th Street, the cargo district, they call it. That parking lot is gravel, so the water can soak into the ground there rather than running off. So we need to look at a whole lot of you know, hard and soft solutions to that. Kind of a related question. What role do you think city council should play in addressing environmental concerns? And that's everything from pollution to climate change to whatever the next issue is. Right. So when I was on council before, I was the author of the resolution condemning the PFAS that we were being receiving. Uh, and then I also ran the resolution opposing degrading the Cape Fear River to what they called swamp water. So it, that made Wilmington the only local government on the, that river to oppose that. And so I was proud of those things. The challenge a city has is so much of the authority in that area is somewhere else. But, you know, sort of going back to the economic development piece, part of that is making the area more assertive about its future. Uh, when we talk about the Cape Fear uh, River Bridge, uh, some of that is the answer there is to be more assertive about what we need from DOT. And I think with the environmental things, some of that is for the Wilmington to help organize the area so we can be more assertive to DEQ to address those things. One small one that maybe fits under this, I'd also like to suggest, you know, there's a lot of trash out there, and that's just unpleasant. Uh, every year, the Azalea Festival does a cleanup where they have their venues to pick up trash, which is great. But I'm wondering if it's not possible to make that a citywide event where you get every church, every civic club, every organization, business, et cetera, to pick up trash in their area. And then you would have, one, a cleaner city. Uh, you'd have a great civic activity, but you'd also have a lot of peer pressure. Uh, if you see your buddy throwing a piece of trash down and you just picked up trash, you might say, um, hey, dude, don't do that. So something to think about. Fair enough. Hey, it is a type of pollution. It is. All right. Uh, this is one we've heard a lot about over the last two years, and that is social justice, diversity, equity, inclusivity. Um, do you think the city is doing the right amount? Should it do more? Should it do less? And are there any issues in particular you'd like to see the city of Wilmington focus on? So I'd like to see that that conversation should be turned around a little bit. If you believe in the free enterprise system like I do, you have to recognize that that system is going to work the best when everybody's involved. If you have a whole lot of people left out, they can't eat at your restaurant. They can't shop at your store. Uh, they can't buy a car from you. We need to sort of turn the conversation around to say, let's see how we can bring everybody in because that's good for the economy. And I think that conversation will be a whole lot better. The city can help some there. As far as the specific things, I think the city's working through a number of issues right now uh, that can be looked at. But we need to get people to realize this is not my taking something from you. Getting everybody involved is good for the economy as a whole. Fair enough. Uh, so in closing, you know, where would you like to see the city, you know, say you're elected to council, where would you like to see the city four years later? I'd like to see the city, frankly, with a much more dynamic economy because that means a lot of good things are happening for a lot of people. It means people are having opportunity. It means we have the, the funds to do, the city would have the funds to do things the city should be doing. It would mean a lot of our social problems would be addressed because people have income coming in. There would be more hope for people who have no hope. So if we can make a stronger, more dynamic economy, that's really good because that solves a lot of things. But that includes making sure we like the city we have, 
making sure the, the opportunity is for everybody uh, and uh, that we really have a great, great place, continue to have a great place to be. All right. Uh, any other closing thoughts? Um, my name is Paul Lawler, and I would appreciate your vote on November 2nd. All right. Paul Lawler, he's a candidate for the City of Wilmington Council. We thank you so much for your time, sir. Thank you, Ben. All right. Coming up after the break, candidate Angie Ulmer. And later in the show, my colleague Kelly Knoyer interviews candidate Luke Waddell. You're listening to special elections coverage on The Newsroom. I'm Ben Schachman. Please stay with us. Welcome back to the newsroom. I'm Ben Schachman. You're listening to special elections coverage from WHQR Public Media. And all this month, the newsroom is focusing on candidates for Wilmington City Council and the mayor's office. Later in the show, my colleague Kelly Kinoyer will interview candidate Luke Waddell. But right now, it's an interview with candidate Angie Ulmer. Angie, thanks so much for being with us. Thank you. All right. To start, tell us a little about yourself. Uh, where do you live? What do you do for a living? Past political experience, if any? Um, well, I'm adopted from Santiago, Chile. I've uh, been here ever since I was four. Um, 36 now. Uh, went to Montessori, College Park, D.C. Virgo, New Hanover High School, and community, Cape Fear Community College. Um, and I work as a contractor uh, for a commercial cleaning company. All right. Let's get into the policies. Uh, affordable housing is obviously a hot topic in the entire Cape Fear region right now. What do you think should be done to address the affordable housing crisis? I definitely think that there needs to be a percentage of uh, affordable housing in almost anything that is developed. Uh, we, I would like to see a, a small portion of units um, designated for the average citizen that can't uh, pay for luxury apartments housing. Um, also, I want to keep uh, any of our affordable housing bonds to stay strictly with affordable housing. I don't think it's appropriate to break it up into um, mixed-use housing. Uh, I would like to see it stay solely for affordable housing uh, because that's where it's mostly needed. What do you see as the future of public transportation in Wilmington? And specifically, do you support the proposed quarter-cent sales tax to provide uh, stable funding for WAVE and other transit projects? Um, I'm not quite keen on a tax increase, no. Um, and I know that that means that uh, we'll have to find other ways to fund uh, my ideas with uh, transportation, uh, mainly because I would like to see at least three buses go uh, all, all in different places of Wilmington 24 hours, um, because there are a lot of shift workers in our town, and they can't, uh, they can't catch the bus. Um, if we're having any trouble with transportation, you know, car trouble comes up, we unfortunately we do have flooding in our area. Um, I personally did flood my car not too long ago myself. Um, and I know how important it is to get to and from work. Uh, you got to be there for your children. Uh, if we can see our bus line expand through the night, I think that'll help a lot of us. All right. Here's one that everyone agrees on. Uh, public safety, which is, you know, how we say the Wilmington Police Department. Um, 
Police accountability is a major issue these days, as is gun violence. What, if anything, would you change about the Wilmington Police Department? Would you increase, decrease, or restructure funding? And are you happy with Chief Williams' leadership? Yes, I actually am happy with uh, Chief Williams. Uh, I know that he came in at a very, very difficult time for Wilmington, but uh, he showed strength through that whole uh, ordeal um, when we had the three officers that had to be expelled uh, for, for their language and um, their viewpoints. Um, but anyway, uh, I would like to see um, more camaraderie uh, between the community and the police department. Um, I know that that's kind of who goes first in that kind of uh, uh, talk, um, but somebody needs to start. Uh, and I love that the police department is going out into the community, giving out snow cones, um, really uh, getting their presence out there. I think that that's very important um, because our youth does need to trust our police department. Um, but in that respect, the police department also has to respect its citizens. Uh, so there has to be a two-way street there. All right. So how much influence or constraint do you think the city of Wilmington should have over private development? Thank you for the question. I personally am not a big fan of exclusionary single-family zoning, uh, so I do think that we need to scrutinize that further. There's already been a couple of municipal governments out there that have um, taken that off the table. Uh, and what that does is it actually widens the market and gives us more options for affordable housing. Um, so I think that if we take a look at our uh, exclusionary, exclusionary single-family zoning, um, we, there are going to be a lot of cures to our city's ailments there. All right. Second part, um, how do you feel about the city's major public-private projects? These are things like River Place, uh, the Live Nation venue on the riverfront, and uh, the potential future project like the Gateway Project on MLK when you enter the city. Uh, you know, I think the city is doing a really good job on um, on creating these projects. Uh, the, it is a job creating. Uh, the thing that they've dropped the ball on a little bit here is uh, maintenance. You know, unfortunately, with our new amphitheater, uh, we've actually had volunteer crews go around and clean up the areas, um, which feels like that should have been part of their agreement that they need to um, take care of the environment around their uh, their 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 amphitheater. Um, and so as long as we can make sure that any new projects also take care of the surrounding environment, uh, that's very important. I don't think that uh, Wilmington has the resources to keep sending out volunteers to do stuff like that. Fair enough. Uh, a different kind of development. What are your thoughts on economic development for the city? Uh, I would like to see development for some of our underinvested parts of town, uh, mainly because you know, there's there's a lot of creators, there's a lot of designers, there's a lot of people in these parts of town that have great ideas for retail um, shops, and there's nowhere for them to go. You know, a lot of people say that it's just as easy to sell online, but that's not so. Um, people walk up and down our streets of downtown all the time, and uh, I think we need to just add more construction. I think we need to add more retail space. I think we need to make it more available, especially for the citizens that live in those underdeveloped places to um, have retail space. If you're just joining us, you're listening to The Newsroom from WHQR Public Media. Right now, our guest is Angie Ulmer, a candidate running for a seat on Wilmington's City Council. 
Angie, you mentioned uh, flooding earlier, and certainly something that's impacted a lot of people in the area. Um, stormwater is a serious issue. Uh, you know, we get flooding uh, during hurricanes. We also get flooding during, you know, minor afternoon <laughs> thunderstorms. Um, there's been a lot of talk about stormwater infrastructure. Do you have any thoughts on what the city could do to help handle, you know, flooding like on New Center Drive, for example? We definitely need to uh, update our stormwater system. Uh, it, it's been the same for a very long time, and we're not judging the amount of rainfall that we're getting appropriately. We are going off of data that is not current considering the development of climate change. Climate change has um, really gotten up on us, and we have not updated our stormwater system to account for that. Um, but it's also because we're going off of rainfall that it's supposed to happen once every five years, and now it's happening once every two years. It's just something that we really need to uh, update. All right, changing gears a little bit, um, uh, but in that same vein, uh, what role do you think city council can play or should play in addressing environmental concerns like the ones you're talking about, uh, things like pollution or climate change? Yes, um, I think that we do need to take a look at what we can do for our river, Cape Fear River and its banks, the soil around it. Uh, soil health, uh, the, the pollution in our water really needs to uh, be addressed. And there are some drastic ideas out there. Um, there, have been, uh, there has been a movement uh, to give rights to nature. And I think that that would be something that we can play with. I think that's something that we can um, see as an option here in Wilmington, North Carolina. Again, it's, uh, it is a little different, um, but if we can give corporations rights, I don't understand why we can't give rights to nature. Fair enough. Um, all right, another topic, uh, social justice, diversity, equity, inclusivity. Um, this has obviously been a hot button issue, but do you think the city should do more? Do you think the city should stay out of it? Are there specific issues you'd like to see the city focus on? Yes, uh, we passed a non-discriminatory ordinance not too long ago where it said um, that the first uh, degree of um, recommendation would be to educate them um, on race relations because uh, I guess we are thinking that they haven't already been educated. Um, so I guess my pro proposal would be couldn't we allow any of our commerce to already have that education um, before they get into a contract with us. Uh, basically saying, we now know that you ha have been educated about um, our race relations here in Wilmington, North Carolina. Therefore, you already are aware of our non-discriminatory ordinance. Uh, and then if you um, dis disabide by our agreement, then we can take um, per, uh, then we can take disciplinary action as opposed to saying that the first time you mess up, well, then we'll educate you. No, I, I think the education needs to come first. All right. Well, I, I know there was one more thing you wanted to mention about the Wilmington Police Department that we had talked about before the show. Uh, I know that last year there was a call for $5 million to be re reallocated from the police department. And um, if they are, if that is something that they're still willing to do or consider, I really do think that that $5 million should be um, pushed towards affordable housing for updates. Uh, I understand that we do spend about 
seven million dollars yearly on on updates. Um, but that doesn't mean that this other five million dollars wouldn't be important to do for our uh, affordable housing community. Okay. Uh, closing thoughts. November second comes. You win a seat on Wilmington City Council. Where are you trying to steer the city? What is your what is your vision for for Wilmington? Where do you want to see the city go? The city of Wilmington is growing. It is not as big as a metropolis as some areas I have visited. I've spent some time in Alexandria, Virginia, and uh, the D.C. area, and we are not to that level um, of a metropolis city, but I do believe we'll get there. That's why zoning is so important. We need to make sure that we develop these um, under-invested neighborhoods. Uh, We definitely need to get our roads uh, paved. We need to get the sidewalks up. We need to get um, crosswalks going. We need to get bike paths going because we are headed for an influx of people. Now, this is not new for Wilmington. Um, this has happened uh, before in our history, and we have come out strong. I do think that we can do that here. Um, we just do not need to push it off any further. I'm, I'm a little uh, tired of hearing about how what we're going to do in the next five to seven years. I want to know what we're doing right now. All right, uh, Angie Ulmer, candidate for Wilmington City Council, uh, thank you so much for your time. Yeah, thank you for uh, having me here. All right, well, we've got to take a break, but when we come back, my colleague Kelly Knoyer sits down for an interview with candidate Luke Waddell, who is also running for a seat on Wilmington's City Council. You're listening to special elections coverage on the newsroom from WHQR Public Media. I'm Ben Schockman. Please stay with us. Welcome back to the newsroom. I'm Ben Shockman. You're listening to special elections coverage from WHQR Public Media. Up now, my colleague Kelly Knoyer interviews candidate Luke Waddell. I'm here with Luke Waddell, one of the candidates for city council. (laughs) Tell me a little bit about yourself. Uh, Where do you live in town? Uh, What do you do for a living? And what's your past political experience? Sure. my name is Luke Waddell. Again, I am a candidate for for city council. I appreciate you all having me having me on here. Uh, I am a small business owner. I moved uh, to Wilmington in in 2011. I was originally from New Bern, North Carolina. I uh, moved here from Charleston right after after college. Uh, I started my business here. I met the love of my life here. I married her here, and and we we live on 18th and Chestnut, and uh, and we intend on raising our family here. So like Wilmington is is home. <laughs> um, I'm in a boutique real estate firm, Cadence Realty. We manage a couple hundred uh, residential properties and, uh, again, boutiques. So we're smaller uh, individual real estate brokers that focus on residential properties. Cool. Let's see. So we're going to get into the questions now. So let's start with e- an easy topic, okay. affordable housing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's a hot topic in the Cape Fear region. So what do you think should be done to address the affordable housing crisis? So it's, it, it's a real issue. Um, over 50% of the households in New Hanover County are considered uh, uh, cost burden, meaning 30% or more of their income is devoted to, uh, to housing. 
So that's a big number. Uh, the Joint City County Workforce Housing Advisory estimates that we're going to need 4,100 additional housing units in the next five years. Really big number, right? Um, so it's partially, in my opinion, a supply and demand issue. Uh, obviously, all of those 4,100 units don't need to be in the city. We have we have some space in the county where, uh, you know, if we can get some sewer out there and all that, which is a county issue, uh, then I believe we can uh, create some much-needed housing. It's also important that local officials, like I hope to be, uh, work with, you know, building professionals and, and development professionals to advocate for workforce housing uh, in every new project that we can. And I think we can get really creative on the city level with infill, uh, infill development and uh, uh, projects like, uh, you know, high wire brewing. Granted, that's not housing, right? But high wire brewing and uh, uh, the, the new one that we have downtown, uh, uh, the Pearl. Sorry, oh, the, the Pearl, the Pearl yeah. right? So the Pearl and, and all of those ones that popped up all around the same time, I think Dave Spatrino did those. Uh, phenomenal projects and provide that workforce housing that is necessary. But we, we've got to provide incentives for those uh, building professionals. We can't put that entire burden on them. And so if we can get in, incentivized uh, to, to create additional workforce housing as we continue to grow, because that's happening. We're at you know, 304,000 people uh, in, in, in the city of Wilmington alone. We've grown 2% year over year. Uh, really for the last 10 years. We've grown 20% in the last 10 years. There's no indication that that's stopping. You've moved here from Oregon, Oregon, right? Six months ago. Mm-hmm. I'm, I wasn't born and raised here, you know, and I, don't, I think 90% of people who live here aren't. It's a beautiful place to live. Uh, so that's not going to stop. And we just need to grow sustainably and responsibly while also considering the workforce housing and, and housing affordability in our region. And that, and that falls on elected officials and, uh, and, and the private sector. So for the Inville development you're talking about, is that something you see as the city taking on or primarily uh, partnerships with private developers? Partnerships with private developers, they're the ones who are going to, they're going to want, they're going to see these projects and and say, hey, this is something we can do. And of course, you know, when you're doing infill development, you're going to have to, likely you're doing adaptive reuse as well, um, where you can see maybe a derelict piece of property that, you know, with with a little bit of creativity can become housing, mixed use, things like that, that will provide that that housing. So it's going to be it's going to be partnerships with uh, both city and uh, and the private sector. Gotcha. Cool. Uh, so what do you see as the future of public transportation in Wilmington? And do you support the proposed quarter cent sales tax to fund Wave? Uh, so Wave has been in a lot of trouble. You know, they've they've, they've had a hard time financially for a long time. Uh, I think the county has has done what they can, uh, and I really can't support a, an increase in, in taxes just for uh, wave transit. Uh, I think we can, I think we can get uh, pretty direct in, in, in how we allow people to, you know, walkability is really important. Bikeability is really important. We have done a pretty good job with uh, with the transportation bond over the last five or six years. There's still money there from that transportation bond to have increased walkability, bikeability. Uh, so I think kind of thinking outside the box on a lot of those issues from uh, how to get from A to B is going to be really important. That quarter cent sales tax will fund some of those kinds of projects. Mm-hmm. Um, but are you still opposed to the full quarter cent sales tax, or would you just want to fund something other than WAVE? Yeah, and I, I, I can't say for sure where, where I go with that. I think it's something once I'm elected and involved and can fully bring all the stakeholders you know, together to discuss how we, how we would move forward with it, you know, that, that's something I'm not 
wildly uh, in favor of, but it is something I think we should you know, open-minded and we'll take a look at for sure. Gotcha. Um, let's move to public safety. So police accountability is a major issue these days, and so is gun violence, as we've seen recently. Uh, what, if anything, would you change about the Wilmington Police Department? So we have a brand new police chief. And I've said we're kind of in a season of change in the city of Wilmington. We have a brand new police chief. We have a brand new fire chief. We have a brand new city manager. Uh, this is a roundabout answer to your question, but I'll get there. And so with that, I think we are in a season of change, and I think we need uh, fresh perspectives on the city council. I think we need fresh solutions on the city council. I think we need fresh leadership on the city council. I believe I provide all those things, and, and that's why I am running. Uh, no doubt about it, we are experiencing some pretty – pretty large violent crime issues. I think uh, all Wilmington citizens should feel free and safe in their communities. Uh, I believe that, uh, you know, shootings erupting in, in the middle of Longleaf Park, in, you know, in broad daylight, middle of a, a Little League baseball game, New Hanover High School, you know, just a couple weeks ago. I mean, we were very lucky not to have just, just massive casualties there. So this is an issue we've, we've got to look at. We've got to be tough on crime when it happens. You know, I mean, you can't have, uh, have shootings going on everywhere and, and just say it's not happening. So we have to be tough on crime when it's happening. Uh, by that same token, you know, if there's uh, bad actors in, in, the, in the police department, that needs to be dealt with swiftly. And it has been. Uh, it has been in, in, in 2020. Um, uh, the the new, new police chief, Donnie Williams, he had been there about a week, I think he was the new police chief when, you know, we were on national news, and he reacted quickly, cut out, cut it out at the root, and and, and moved and made the uh, the police department better for that. So, are you happy with Chief Williams' leadership? I am, yeah, and I've met with him. Uh, met with him. I met with uh, I met with uh, well, Buddy Martinet, who is the, the the previous fire chief, uh, and I met with Tony Calder, who's the the city manager. Just to you know, you want to hear. Who, from, from their mouths what's going on because they see it day by day by day, year by year, no matter who's elected in office. Um, and and I, I do like their leadership. I think he, he has the best interest of Wilmington at heart. So as far as the budget goes, do you think that the funding for the police department should increase or decrease or stay the same, restructure the funding? Uh, right now, I think we need to stay the same. I think full support of our law enforcement and first, first responders is paramount to a, uh, you know, a safe society. Uh, right now, I think, I think it needs to stay the same. We have a $241 million budget, uh, and that was a pretty large increase year over, over year. Uh, so right now, I think we're allocating monies properly, <laughs> and we don't need to just continue to raise the budget every year and find out where it goes. Gotcha. Uh, so fiscal responsibility on on that front. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> uh, so when it comes to development, uh, how much influence or constraint do you think the city should have over development? Well, if you've watched any um, any any city council meetings, you notice real quick they're not the most exciting things. <laughs> About sixty to seventy percent of what you do is land use. Right, it's rezonings, and and so we do have a new land development code, and I think the spirit of that code is going in the right direction. You know, everybody in Wilmington wants trees. <laughs> we want to have a beautiful place to live, and uh, and the the new LDC land development code that has been brought on, I think, addresses a lot of that. It's going to be a living document. Uh, am I allowed to say living document on here? I don't know. But <laughs> yeah. It's going to be a living document. So we, we got to figure out, you know, really what's what's in that LDC and and how it's going to help us shape again a sustainable and responsible growth for Wilmington as as we do continue to grow. Cool. Uh, how do you feel about the city's public-private partnerships like River Place or the Live Nation venue? 
Do you think that's something that the city should do more of, less of? Yeah. Have you been Have you been to Live Nation? Mm-hmm. Amazing, right? I mean, we can do it right. Uh, and it's it's important, in my opinion, for the for the city to to partner with stakeholders uh, within the community. Uh, I mean, we just purchased land up at uh, uh, the Gateway Project. Uh, hopefully, we'll see something happen there. Uh, hopefully, while I'm <laughs> in office, I don't know if I'm skipping ahead and you have a question on that, but uh, that's that's an example of a public private partnership. We don't know who the private stakeholder is going to be yet. Uh, it, it could be the same developer as River Place. But th- this was looking at like a uh, $90 million project, and that wasn't long ago. So who knows where we're really going to be uh, once, you know, once that project gets to, to fruition. But it is important because, one, it gives the city st- – the city is a legitimate stakeholder then when we own some property there. And so we can have some, uh, some say in the aesthetics of the project and, and the development of, and how it goes. And that's, that's important. Um, it also helps us, again, Project Gateway, to hopefully secure uh, some more housing and secure uh, a much needed <laughs> grocery store on that on that north side. Um, a lot of folks who have to take $20 Ubers, you know, to, to a grocery store. So uh, when they have a $100 budget, that's that's really eaten into it. So if we can get if we can get a grocery store on that north side uh, via the Project Gateway, I think that'll be massive for our entire region. Um, I guess I want to do a little follow-up on that. There have been recent cases in city council where uh, some members are in favor of limiting what kinds of businesses can go in specific areas, and others are in favor of you can if you own that lot, you can put whatever you want there. Where do you fall on that spectrum? Yeah, I'm a I'm a private property guy. I'm a property rights guy. If you if you purchase a piece of property, and you have by right use of that property, uh, I'm not, I don't think increased regulation and increased bureaucracy is going to help any of the affordable housing issues that we're having. Uh, I think anytime you're increasing that red tape, that bureaucracy, you are, you're just diminishing that bottom line for somebody who's in business to develop property in order, you know, to make some money. Uh, they're providing value and, and should, and should be rewarded for that value. And they're willing to put in workforce housing. They're willing to do housing affordability, but if we, you know, just keep squeezing uh, to where there's nothing left on the bottom line, they're going to go elsewhere. You know, they're not going to want to develop here, and then we're in then we're in real trouble. Gotcha. Um, stormwater is obviously a major issue in this region. Flooding has been very severe during prior hurricanes, and even during some minor storms like the one we had last week. What are your thoughts on how to handle the problem of stormwater? Yeah, I mean, you got to again. It's not a public-private partnership, but we got to we got to work with. Uh, CFPUA and the various stakeholders to make sure we are looking at our stormwater appropriately. Um, I mean, you drive around some of these streets. I live downtown. I don't know if you do, but you drive around some of these streets on a, you know, we and we have hard rains and we live by the water. So there's some things. I grew up hurricanes after hurricanes. You haven't had one yet, have you? All right, it's coming. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we're used to that a little bit, and uh, but that doesn't mean that we can't get better. And so by just continuing to look at our infrastructure, improve on our infrastructure, and uh, make one that's in the safest, best place we can, uh, that's that's the key. I mean, I don't have the answer to how to stop stormwater, but uh, by bringing in folks who are a lot smarter th- than than I am and who look at that every day and taking their uh, their opinions to to heart and not looking at it through a political spe- uh, spectrum, I think that's the way you can kind of move the city forward in, in the right direction and, and make it better for everyone and hopefully mitigate some real problems down the road. Yeah. Uh, what role should the city council play in addressing environmental concerns like pollution or climate change? Yeah. Uh, 
I mean, again, the city majority of what we do is we, you know, we have a two hundred forty-one million dollar budget, and we allocate where that money goes. Um, we again do a lot of zoning and and, and land use. Um, we can be voices uh, when we see problems, you know, like like PFAS in our water, right? So we can't make any real sweeping decisions that's going to change things. But we can be a pain in the side of the folks who can, and that's where we—that's where, as an elected official, you, you're looking out for your constituency, and uh, that's everybody. That's right, left, center. It's, that's your entire constituency. All 304,000 people in the city are, are your constituency, and that's who you need to take care of. Uh, and so that's how you—that's how you do it. Um, I'm not—we're not, not going to uh, take PFASs out of the water, you know, personally on a personal level, but by getting getting up and and, and being vocal about those things. Um, that's how we that's how we can do it we have pulled a lot of that pfas out of the water uh, i believe at this point now we're at uh lower than you know whatever level uh is supposed to be um so yeah you know, as, as, as a leader in the community it's your responsibility to to vocalize to the folks who can really uh pull the levers and affect the change are there any specific policies that you'd like to see on environmental concerns at the city level uh well the city has already implemented a a, a pretty a pretty great uh, policy. I don't know exactly what the name of it is, but I mean, we're replacing a lot of our bulbs and all the city-owned lights with like LED bulbs. In the, in, and uh, I mean, I think, I think throughout the whole city, we did that. Everything that was city-owned with LED bulbs, like little things that are going to make big differences across the board. And that's not only good for the environment; it's fiscally responsible, right? And so ultimately, the taxpayer is your boss when you're <laughs> when you're elected. So uh, saving their money in every single way possible—that's also benefiting the community for a whole. It's a win-win. It's gotcha. a no-brainer. Yeah, uh, I want to ask about social justice, diversity, equity, inclusivity—these big ideas that we've been hearing a lot about this summer. Uh, should the city do more to address these issues or do less? Are there specific issues like you'd like to see the city focus on? Yeah, and I, I've long said we live in an amazing place, right? So our proximity to local beaches, our uh, historic downtown, we have great assets. Neither of those are, are our greatest asset. Our greatest asset is our people. And uh, our best ideas aren't going to come from me. <laughs> they're not going to come from anybody at City Hall. Uh, they're going to come from uh, the individual's the organizations, the nonprofits, the small businesses that make up our uh, diverse and wonderful community. Uh, that being said, we've, we've done some good things. The Rise Together initiative is something to be proud of. Uh, and I think that Wilmington needs to make sure that we're a community where every citizen feels valued and has the same opportunity for prosperity and uh, and for quality of life and enjoyability of life as any other citizen. That's that will be the cornerstone of uh, what I think about every day as a, as a leader in the city. Hmm. Do you have any closing thoughts that you'd like to share? Sure. Um, probably tell by the cadence of my voice. You know, I'm, not a, I'm not a politician. I never really anticipated being uh, on this stage or any stage for that matter. I'm a small businessman. I got married last year. I've got a, a pretty nice little life. And... Uh, uh, I've had a lot of people ask me, like, why are you doing this? And and the answer is pretty simple. It's the future of Wilmington. Um, Wilmington has some incredible momentum right now. Uh, with that momentum, there are some significant hurdles. We've talked about a lot of them and some great questions that you brought up today. Uh, but on the other side of those hurdles, there's significant opportunity. 
And I think we need to have the right leadership in order to capitalize on those opportunities for our entire city. Uh, I don't think Wilmington needs politicians. <laughs> we certainly don't need failed politicians that are just you know trying to get back into power for power's sake. Uh, and we don't need activists in office that just, you know, uh, can only tell rhetoric on whatever side of the aisle they're on. I think we need real roll up your sleeves, you know, get in the dirt, do the work leadership. Uh, that's who I am. And, and that's why I'm running for, for city council. It's important to make this place the best, not only for me and my family, but for you and for everybody who's here by listening and being involved in every aspect. So. I appreciate what you guys do and, and, and the questions that you that you bring up. They're really important. I truly hope that every candidate gets in here and, and discusses. Great. Well, thank you so much, Luke. I appreciate your time today. Thank you so much. All right. Well, that's just about all the time we have for this special elections edition of the Newsroom. I want to thank the candidates on today's show, Paul Lawler, Angie Ulmer, and Luke Waddell. And thanks also to my colleague, Kelly Kinoyer, and our technical team, Ken Campbell and Jonathan Furnell. Throughout the rest of this month, we'll have a lot more interviews for a total of eight candidates from Wilmington City Council and a head-to-head contest for the mayor's seat. You can catch these episodes every Friday in October at noon with rebroadcasts each following Sunday. And as always, you can find the show on whqr.org and as a podcast pretty much everywhere you can find podcasts. If you have thoughts or comments about today's program or ideas for a future show after the elections, email us at newsroom at whqr.org. And just a reminder, absentee voting is now open And one-stop voting starts next week on October 14th, so get out and vote. I'm Ben Schachman. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll join us for the next edition of The Newsroom.